Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi, and welcome back to the Old Testament Podcast. Today's episode is going to be Numbers 22. Now, this is going to be a little, a little different, uh, a little different historical account here. Kind of, kind of strange. Got to understand a few things here. All right. And the children of Israel set forward and pitched or encamped in the plains of Moab on this side, or i.e. across the Jordan from Jericho, Jordan by Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was sore afraid of the people, because they were many, and Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are around about us, as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at that time. Balak, king of the Moabites, sees how powerful Israel is and is afraid. Balak knew that his god, Baal, was not powerful, and so he tries to get Balaam to use Jehovah against the Israelites. Verse 5, He sent messengers, therefore, unto Balaam, the son of Beor, of, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the, land of the children of, of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against us. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail, that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I know not, for I know that he whom thou blessed is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their in their hand, and they came unto Balaam. And spake unto him the words of Balak. And he said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again, as the Lord shall speak unto me. And the princes, or leaders, or rulers of Moab, abode with Balaam. Now, we got to ask the question, who was Balaam, and was he a prophet, and did he hold the priesthood? It is difficult to determine from the record whether or not Balaam was a true prophet of God, holding the power of the priesthood authority. He lived in an area known as Aram, probably named after the son of Kemuel and grandson of Nahor, a cousin of Abraham. Haran, the place of <clears throat> Abraham's first settlement, after he left Ur, was a seat for the, for the worship of Jehovah and was also in Aram. Therefore, Balaam could have been one of the few scattered people, such as Jethro, who held the priesthood and exercised its power. That was out of the Institute Manual. W. W. Phelps said, Noah's and his son's names are chronicled as among the sons of God, and so we have the priesthood safely landed this side of the flood. Now, as Abraham was born around 292 years after the flood, and Noah lived 350 years, and his sons more, there is no marvel how Melchizedek or Abraham became priests of the Most High God. They had it from the lineage or hands of Noah. Paul calls Abraham a patriarch, and according to Peter's definition of patriarch given in Acts 2, he was a prophet, and so God says of him, Moses got his ordination from his father-in-law Jethro, who was a priest in Midian. 
or priest of Midian. The Midianites were descendants of Abraham through his son Midian, born of Keturah, and brought up under the covenant of circumcision. No wonder Balaam was a prophet. No wonder he could not curse Israel. They should have been brethren. And again, that was by W. W. Phelps. Elder McConkie said, Here is a prophet of God who is firmly committed to declare only what the Lord of heaven directs. Verse 9, And God came unto Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? And Balaam said unto God, Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab, hath sent me, saying, has sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. Peradventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. So he's saying, I can't go with you. And the, and the princes of Moab rose up, and they went unto Balak and said, Now remember that he sent servants unto Balak the first time. Now he's sending princes to Balak. And said, Balaam refuseth, Balaam refuseth to come with us. And Balak sent again, again princes more and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus saith Balak the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me. So he sends kind of minor princes the first time. Now he sends more honorable princes the second time. For I will promote thee unto very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now therefore I pray you, tarry ye also here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. So he goes again to the Lord and asks to, to curse them or to get whatever the Lord would have him do. And God came unto Balaam that night and said, If the men come to call thee, rise up, if thou wilt go with them, but yet the word which I shall say unto thee, thou shalt, that shalt thou speak. If the men come to call thee, rise up. If thou wilt go with them, yet, but yet the word which I shall say unto thee, shalt thou speak. So really what's happening here is that uh, God has already told him not to go with the people. Uh, Balaam asks again, and so now the Lord is saying, go with them, but here's what you're supposed to say. This is a little, a little similar to Joseph asking about uh, letting Martin Harris take the manuscript with him. Uh, he asks, and he's denied a couple of times. Uh, when the Lord says, no, you, don't need, you shouldn't go back the second time and ask again. Verse 21, And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went, unto, went with the princes of Moab. And God's anger was kindled because he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and was in his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way, and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in a path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a, in a narrow place, 
where was no way to turn, either to the right hand or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. So again, here we go, Here we have the angel that's uh, in the way here, and uh, he's not being receptive to the spirit to know what the angel would say, because he can't see the angel. Verse 28, And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee, that thou hast smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I, I would there were a sword in mine hand, for now I would kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am not I thine ass, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. Now the remarkable thing I think here is that Balaam um, doesn't question, isn't amazed that the ass is talking to him. He just acts as if it's normal. Verse 31, Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. <clears throat> and the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. And the ass saw me and turned from me these three times, unless, the, unless she had turned from me. Surely now also I would have slain thee and saved her alive. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displease thee, I will get me back again. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee, that thou shalt speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. And when Balak heard that Balaam was come, he went out to meet him with a cry of Moab, with a, unto a city of Moab, which is in the border of Arnon, which is in the utmost coast or boundary. And Balak said unto Balaam, did I not earnestly send unto thee to call thee? Wherefore camest thou not unto me? Am I not able indeed to promote thee to honor? And In other words, he's going to give him a bribe here is what he's going to try to do. And Balaam said unto Balak, Lo, I am come unto thee. Have I, have I now any power at all to say anything? The word that God putteth in my mouth, that shall I speak. And Balaam went with Balak, and they came unto Kirajhuzoth, and Balak offered oxen and sheep and sent to Balaam and to the princes that were with him. And it came to pass on the morrow that Balak took Balaam and brought him up into the high places of Baal, that thence he might see the utmost part of the people. So I just want to read a little extra stuff here that might help us understand what's going on here. These are some quotes out of the Bible and also uh, some from some of the brethren. In Second Peter chapter 2 we read, Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb ass, speaking with man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophet. So this is a, an event that actually happened, and the ass did speak to him, as contested or as uh, confirmed here by, by Peter. In Jude, verse 11, we read, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. And in Revelation we read, But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there, hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication or idolatry. So what is the doctrine of Balaam? 
Elder Bruce R. McConkie taught that the doctrine of Balaam is in divine for hire, is to divine for hire, to give counsel contrary to the divine will, to pervert the right way of the Lord, all with a view of gaining wealth and the honors of men. In effect, to preach for money or to gain personal power and influence in the very nature of things, such a course is a perversion of the right way of the Lord. What a story this is. Here is a prophet of God who is firmly committed to declare only what the Lord of heaven directs. There does not seem to be the slightest doubt in his mind about the course he should pursue. He represents the Lord, and neither a house full of gold and silver nor high honors offered by the king can sway him from his determined course, which has been charted for him by that God whom he serves. But greed for wealth and lust for honor beckon him. How marvelous it would be to to be rich and powerful, as well as having the prophet's power that already are his. Perhaps the Lord would let him compromise his standards and have some worldly prosperity and power as well as a testimony of the gospel. Of course, he knew the gospel was was true, as it were, but were but why should he be denied the things his political file leader could can, could could confer? I wonder how often some of us get our direction from the church and then, Balaam-like, plead for some worldly rewards and finally receive an answer which says, in effect, if you are determined to be a millionaire or to gain this or that worldly honor, go ahead with the understanding that you will continue to serve the Lord. Then we wonder why things don't work out for us as well as they would have, as they would have done if we had put first in our lives the things of God's kingdom. What are the rewards of unrighteousness? Do, do they not include seeking for worldly things when these run counter to the interests of the church? And don't we all know people who, though they were once firm and steadfast in testimony, are now opposing the Lord's purposes and interests on earth because money and power have twisted their judgment of what should or should not be? Balaam, the prophet, inspired and mighty as he once was, lost his soul in the end because he set his heart on the things of the world rather than the riches of eternity. And again, that was by Elder McConkie. Remember the saying that many are called but few are chosen. Balaam was called but refused to be, to be chosen. The lessons we learn from Balaam as we seek to determine whether we have become true Latter-day Saints inwardly as well as outwardly, it soon becomes apparent that the critical element in, is progress, not longevity. The question is not how much time we have logged, but how far we have progressed toward perfection. Elder Neil A. Maxwell said, Life is not lineal, but experiential, not chronological, but developmental. The issue is not what we have done, but what we have become. And what we have become is the result of more than our actions. It is also the result of our attitudes, our motives, our desires. Each of these is an ingredient of the pure heart. Our Heavenly Father knows the desires of our hearts and will judge us accordingly. He will punish evil desires and reward righteous ones. We can suppress evil desires and substitute righteous ones. This involves education and practice. President Joseph F. Smith taught that the education of our desires is one of of far-reaching importance to our happiness in life. Though our divinely granted willpower, we have ultimate ultimate control over our desires, but the desires of our heart are so deep-seated that it may take many years of practice for us to be sure that education and practice will will have perfected our desires to the point where all are entirely righteous. And that was by Elder uh, Oaks. Also of interest, uh, Balaam's name has actually surfaced in extra-biblical literature recorded within a few hundred years after the biblical story. 
1967, an archaeological expedition in Deir Allah, Jordan, discovered fragments of an inscription written in, in Aramaic, written about 850 B.C. In these texts, Balaam is referred to as a seer of the gods, similar to the biblical account. Balaam received communication from gods as not gods at night, and then rose in the morning to reveal them. Precisely how the narratives relating to Balaam oracles came to to be, to be in written form is unknown. It seems difficult to imagine that they could have been recorded by an Israelite scribe, since no Hebrews were present when the incidents took place. It may be that a disciple of the Mesopotamian seer was responsible for the survival of the narratives, although that cannot be regarded as being any more than purely conjectural. What is evident, however, is that the traditions concerning Balaam were well known in oral form by the time of Joshua, and if the written narratives were not already extant by then, they they could hardly have been delayed much beyond the period of the judges. And that was by Harrison. Anyway, that's uh, the end of the chapter, and we'll see what happens in the next one. Thanks for coming, and we'll see you next time. Bye.